Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Adam, I'm casting pod from my my front office today, and uh, the uh, the city has, has sent out a crew of men with trucks and machinery and saws so i apologize if this is a particularly noisy episode of the pod from my end well uh once the los angeles sewer and water department got word that uh benjamin r harrison was moving to town they had to do quite a bit of like a sewer line enlargement (laughs) in and around your property so uh, it's quite understandable to me that they'd want to take that thing out to like a roughly two to three foot diameter this is a real killing two birds with one stone (laughs) opportunity for them because not only do they get to do some retrofitting on the existing plumbing to make sure it can accommodate what i'm putting (laughs) into it they can also you know throw a little shade my way make them make sure i still know who's boss you know (laughs) They're they're just looking at you from the street while they do their work. I've made so much uncomfortable eye contact with a guy like pulling on the on the uh, on the rip cord that starts the saw with the four foot diameter rotary blade. A lot of cities would find it weird to install uh, an in sync aerator style garbage disposal down <laughs> pipe of your toilets, but <laughs> I mean, I guess when you're you, that's standard issue, right? Yeah. I- <laughs> You don't want to drop your keys down the toilet, let me tell you. Like, uh, you don't want to reach in after them. <laughs> no, no, you definitely don't. <laughs> You're going to come back with a stump. <laughs> Adam, uh, do you want to talk talk about some Deep Spaces 9 with me? <laughs> let's, uh, let's pivot from toilet humor uh, to humor of a different stripe, I suppose. In talking about uh, Deep Space Nine, Season 1, Episode 8, The Passenger. Do you realize how incredible this is? (laughs) No, of course you don't. The continuing story about Dr. Bashir's pompous assolery. (laughs) Question I have for you is, is there any reason to like him right now? Fate has granted me a gift, Major. A gift to be a healer. We can assume that he gets better. He's supposed to get better. He's a beloved character. But if you're watching this for the first time, not a lot to like here. I'm wondering at what point you may assume he is irredeemable. I mean, he's been pervy. He's been boorish. And now he's being not just braggy, but smarmy braggy. You know what? I recently had to look for a doctor, a new doctor. And if while I was auditioning them... My doctor at any point just told me a a doctor story about how great his research (laughs) practices were. I would would totally tell him to get lost. 
I want a doctor who doesn't brag. If I read a Yelp review of a doctor talking about that kind of situation, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even try the place out. I, I don't want Bashir's finger anywhere near my asshole. <laughs> if he's just going to brag about it later. Wait a second. How old are you? <laughs> I don't think that's. Uh, I don't think they need to do that yet, Adam. I think you may have picked wrong. When you have the problems that I have been, uh, that that timeline has moved quite a bit up. <laughs> well, um, they are in a runabout coming back from a thing, and uh, they receive a distress call. And by they, I mean Doctor Bashir and. Major Kira. This is the Federation ship Rio Grande. We're on our way. I love that there's such a thing as a priority one distress signal. Yeah. As if, like, if you're in trouble, you could send a distress signal. <laughs> or you could elevate that somehow. Yeah. It's, the, uh, it's that little, like, double exclamation point option that, like, only assholes sending business emails use. It's like sending a page with 911 at the end of the phone number. <laughs> They find a uh, a freighter, and it's uh, it's uh, from an uh, alien species called the Kalibat, and uh, there's a uh, there's a, a unconscious woman aboard. There's like fires burning all the air on the on the on the ship up. Major Kira goes off to uh, see if she can't get life support back online while also getting a canister vacuum cleaner style fire extinguisher <laughs> yeah <laughs> i love this yeah it's like it's like a fire extinguisher but it still shoots a ray cuz this is the future <laughs> uh the doctor focuses on uh tai kajada who is a security police officer kind of person and he's like is there anybody else aboard and he's, and she's like no everybody else is dead just get me out of here and he's like well i'm picking up somebody else on my on my tricorder so i'm gonna try and save save him and she's like seriously dude like don't even bother <laughs> like like this i'm the priority one distress that is like a priority nothing distress don't don't let it move the needle. And he's like, hey, listen, I'm a doctor, and I like to think of myself as being a pretty good doctor, so I'm going to go save a life right now. The the Hippocratic Oath doesn't contain an asterisk about like leaving a guy behind a bulkhead <laughs> on an about-to-explode spaceship. Yeah. That would be doing harm. It's an interesting... Like it's an interesting scenario to throw a Starfleet into, is, is like the ship is going to explode... There are potentially prisoners that can't be saved and and security guards that can, you know, like Starfleets are so squeaky clean morally that uh, that is like an almost impossible decision. It's the peewee in the pet shop decision. Sure. He's got to yeah. save the snakes. Exactly. And there's like one one fairy that's full of snakes and then the other fairy that's full of other animals, but they can both blow each other up. I'm I'm getting my movies confused. Is that Pee-wee in the Pet Shop? Pee-wee's Big Adventure <laughs> is the movie I was referring to. Oh no, I was thinking of Pee-wee's Dark Knight. Oh jeez, <laughs> the 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 crossover that Gotham didn't ask for, but it's the one it deserves. <laughs> <laughs> no one can take that kind of crossover, Ben. These people just showed you. 
a city that can come together and save the snakes. <laughs> this is the episode of Greatest Gen that dropped acid. <laughs> I didn't realize that was in our random number generator. That would be really the thing to do, right? Is like make a wheel of destiny where one of the one of the tiles is do the show drunk, but there are there are wedges for all of the other shows. I love to keep ourselves interested. <laughs> We're just <laughs> throwing landmines in our way. <laughs> how would we even get acid? I don't know how to do that. I'm I'm not in college. I don't know any chemistry majors. You know what would be a great concept for a podcast is Ben and Adam try to buy drugs. <laughs> How would you do it? It's like 45 minutes of us speculating like on, on what the plan might be. And the last 15 minutes is, is us being arrested and briefly imprisoned. Let them go. They're barely a, a risk to themselves, much less others. <laughs> So uh so this prisoner is uh Rao Vantica and um and while Bashir is uh is attempting to stabilize him Vantica grabs Bashir by the neck and uh hisses make me live. Bashir's like friend I was going to do that anyway I'm a doctor <laughs> And a great one. <laughs> if you're lucky enough to survive this, I'll regale you with my stories. When you're recovering in sickbay, you won't have anywhere to go, so I guess that would be a great time for me to just tell you about what a great doctor I am. I'm looking forward to it as much as I'm sure you are. To be quite honest about it, I was in a pair. Bucket. Mr. Bucket, I have to the show open we come to find out that these people are uh, are known as the Kobliad which is a race of aliens that has the loaf equivalent of the mid 90s split down the middle hair part <laughs> it's like they just comb that loaf right up into it because we split the top add butter and let it bake right in everyone had this haircut in the mid 90s I sure did yeah you and me both I was looking at like old driver licenses and i think my learner's permit i had that haircut it's a classic yeah you get yourself one of those uh parted down the middle haircuts and a uh and and a sweater that's two sizes too big that's adam in the mid 90s right there (laughs) (laughs) oh man you really paint a picture i probably had some simple skateboarding shoes and some uh some flannel shirts even oh, yeah. though I didn't listen to grunge rock and didn't skateboard. I lived in Seattle in the 90s, and instead of adopting the plaid shirt tied around my waist and the Doc Martens, I embraced the uh, Jerry Seinfeld from first-run Seinfeld episodes way of dressing. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> like, you want to you wanna get some light-colored jeans and an Oxford shirt that you tuck in. Uh-huh. That's what you want right there. Yeah, an Oxford shirt that is cut for a man much heavier than you, so it really <laughs> blouses out quite a bit. I, I have no idea why I wasn't popular. Ben. Did you go for a nice big white cross-training shoe? Oh, yeah. You got to get the cross-training tr- shoe, and uh, you also need the brown braided leather belt. <laughs> 
Oh, man. What a time to be alive. The 90s. <laughs> it wasn't my fault, was it? No, it was the 90s fault. All right. The 90s r- ravaged us all in many ways. <laughs> so, so yeah, the uh, I feel like Rayo Vantica and Tai Kajada had kind of a kind of a Hannibal Lecter, Clary Starling type relationship. Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Vantica is a a monster and she is very sanguine about like his his value to society. She is much more interested in nipping the Vantica problem in the bud than in proceeding with any kind of due process, but that's only because she has like stared into the abyss of what of what he is and what he represents. And I thought that this actress did a nice job of conveying that. Like we don't really get any details about what Fantica does, you know. But Well, that's why I would disagree with you. Like Ty and the actress who plays her does a great job in in acting out her fear of yeah. Rayo. But if we're supposed to believe that Rayo is the Hannibal Lecter figure that we're being told, we need an example to fear him. Like it isn't enough to trust someone we don't know about his reputation. Like that's the part that didn't work for me. And so we are taught to fear him for the next 40 minutes without any reason at all to do it, except going on the word of someone that we don't know to be credible. I guess I just thought the performance was good. I don't know. She mentions that it's her life's work, basically, to chase this guy down. She's like a she's like a marshal. I would say that they definitely made a, like, whether this was a proactive choice or a choice of incompetence, they made a choice that... The only thing that we're going to let uh, tell us how scared to be of Vantica is the way she performs her fear of him. Hey, Ty, you know what you could do with a prisoner who's as dangerous as Hannibal Lecter? Like, you could put him in shackles or something (laughs) on your ship instead of, I guess, just giving him a room to play around in. You could put him on a furniture dolly in a <laughs> right. in a straight jacket and a and a face mask. That's what I'm saying. If he's if he's strapped to a dolly, then they they don't even need dialogue to to solve this problem. We could just see how dangerous he is. Yeah, I mean, um, they spent all that money on pyro. Yeah, Vantica Vantica and Lecter have uh, their escape artistry in common. So even though they've got a cold body on a slab in the morgue she's she's going around the station saying like keep your fucking heads on a swivel this guy is here right now and there have been much more daring escapes in in this dude's past so watch out two security people on this giant station (laughs) (laughs) she's got to be so disappointed in the staffing of this place (laughs) Yeah, she wakes up on Deep Space Nine and she's like, shit, this is exactly where he wanted to be. Right, and he wants to be there because this there's this shipment coming in, we're told. The shipment of Deridium is the main pivot point of this episode. Everyone wants this stuff. It's super valuable, super dangerous. They should have called it MacGuffium. <laughs> right. <laughs> Rayo needs this stuff to live. Like, that's his dependency on it is more than just, like, uh, economical like, he and his people uh, need it like a drug. Yeah, the Kobliat are a dying race, and this is the thing that stabilizes their molecules or whatever. So uh, so the Federation is trying to ship ship lots of it to them, and uh, 
and uh, Vantica is a is is a heist man basically. We learn about this deridium by way of a conversation that Odo <laughs> has with Quark. And uh, overhearing this conversation is a new lieutenant to the station, Lieutenant Primin. And he pulls Odo aside and he's like, what the fuck, dude? Why are you putting this deridium shipment out on the streets like this? Do you always get ready for an important operation by leaking word about it to the local black market? Especially to Quark. Like, get it together, man. We're, we're supposed to be like team security. Primin is, is, uh, is fresh off the freighter yeah. on Deep Space Nine, but he can al- already tell that Quark is not the guy you want to ge- be mouthing off about the deridium to. And Odo is like, it's like, hey, bub, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll run my security operation the way I see fit. Uh, by the way, you're the most milk toast security officer I can possibly imagine. Who is this man of toast? And what does he want from us? What is his dark secret? O'Brien isn't in this episode because I guess he's still back on Earth at the longest 100th birthday party ever. <laughs> I mean, at this rate, Keiko's grandma's going to die during the party, right? She's like uh, Mr. Mr. Timmons or whatever, the, the guy that... Uh, Loxana Troy fell in love with. Yeah. She's, uh, she's turning 100 and, and, and committing ritual suicide, <laughs> and uh, O'Brien wasn't going to miss that. He's like, uh, so this runs in your family, this whole uh, suicide at a certain age thing? <laughs> Maybe you could hit me to uh, how many more years you've got left, Keiko. <laughs> so this, uh, this milk toast uh, security guard... Lieutenant George Primmon, Starfleet Security. Heads up to Ops, and uh, it's pretty clear when he gets up there that Cisco knows all about him, was expecting him. He's like, "Hey, man, like I want to, I want to kick it to you in your in my office." So they head in there, and Officer Securitost is like. Hey, listen, I think that this uh, this guy, this constable guy you got down there is not really running a tight ship, W slash R slash T security. And that's kind of my specialty. I'm from Starfleet Security. He's like, uh, give it up for Starfleet Security and like holds out the rock to be pounded back. <laughs> yeah. He sort of assumes this Starfleet fraternity idea, which sort of makes sense to me. He's like... Look, man, I'm Starfleet Security. You got this Odo guy talking to Ferengi out in public about Deridium. I think you and I both know who should be running the show here. Sort of assuming that Cisco would confer this task to him, like this leadership to him. Yeah. It doesn't really happen that way. I would say that rather than that, Cisco big dogs the shit out of him. <laughs> if you want my opinion... Actually, I don't. And basically says, hey, man, like we're here... We're on borrowed time on this Bajoran space station. This is their this is their turf. Maybe you don't act like such a chauvinistic shithead, and maybe you'll learn something from these people. Maybe maybe if you if you uh, fall in step, Odo will teach you a thing or two. This scene occurs very close to a scene between Odo and Cisco, where Odo's like, "Fuck this, I'm out. I quit." <laughs> And Cisco's like, no, man, you got to stick around. You're the guy in charge. You need to hear me say it. You're in charge. You, uh, you are, you are the A 
to Lieutenant Toast's B? It's definitely a a strange choice that uh, they would be like, we're getting a lieutenant from Starfleet Security, somebody with a little a little status to throw around, coming out to the station, and we're not going to tell the guy who is the head of station security about it. We'll just let that other guy like introduce himself and sort of pull rank, and uh, and let it be ambiguous for a little while. Like right. I totally understand why Odo was like, "Fuck this." Yeah, I think you and I have talked around this quite a bit. Like it's all anyone wants to know. In whatever job situation they're in, is like who's in charge and who reports to who. It yeah. removes so many conflicts when those relationships are made clear, and that's all Odo's asking for here. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Mm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. So they find uh, one piece of evidence lending credence to uh, Kajada's concern, which is that. Uh, Vantica had a a uh, an isolinear chip in his possession that was a map of the humanoid brain, an eight bit map of the humanoid brain. By <laughs> by the way, <laughs> yeah. So we have like a we cut to like a late night scene in Quark's. Like the place is closed and they are cleaning up after the day, and Quark kicks out his Ferengi maids i guess and he's like up on the second level and he gets grabbed from behind and he's in like he's in like a headlock by a person claiming to be vantica i was told you were dead almost but not quite so quirk who has uh arranged a a business deal for vantica uh, assumed that he wouldn't have to uh complete complete the deal ben at this point the mystery was over for me because this gloved figure who gets a cork in the headlock sounds like alexander siddig like <laughs> whisper yelling like they make no attempt to cover his voice up at all like you listen to our show for any length of time i think you understand how easy it is to do impressions and voices ben for yeah for two ding-dongs like you and me i mean i would say that that's the thing that people tune into is our Excellent impressions and voices. Why didn't they get him to push the voice boundary a little bit so that it, it covered it up a little better? All right, Alexander, that that was great. I think well, let's do another take, and this time do it as, I don't know, like do, do your best Cosby. You see, <laughs> Mr. Quark, <laughs> I need you to hire some mercenaries. <laughs> We are going to do some crimes and some stealing and some thievery, and I need some bad guys with guns to do it with me. Rudy! The Deridium comes in the caplet form. <laughs> it's so easy to dissolve in the drinks. In the show notes for this show, Ben, they mention that all of the Siddig as Vintaka dialogue was looped. Because the choice that Alexander Siddig made as an actor, as far as his voice went, was like a super dumb Bella Lugosi voice. <laughs> and so when they started watching the footage, they were like, oh no. Oh no, we can't do it like this. Ugh. And so they looped him. Like they, they did uh, ADR and they, and they totally redid all the dialogue. But that doesn't forgive why 
the scene sounds so much like him whispering when if what you want to do is suspend is is keep the mystery going throughout they they could have they could have had him do enough takes to where he sounded like a different person you also get a little glimpse of his face at right, the end of exactly. this scene. Yeah. So it's like it's it's not like this isn't a hot mess from a not not just from a performance standpoint, but also an editing and and uh, blocking standpoint. Like the episode's forty minutes. It's okay to leave us in suspense a little while <laughs> longer, guys. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's an interesting piece of trivia, Adam, about the, uh, Bella Lugosi voice, because I was totally befuddled by the, the way he does the performance, uh, a little later on. Yeah. So what they start to speculate on, like, Dax calls Bashir down to her, her science room, and is like, hey, get a load of this. I've got some, uh, some evidence that Vantica is has done a bunch of research into synaptic pattern displacement, which it uh, is revealed in the scene is roughly equivalent to a mind melt. And uh, I thought it was kind of cool to I, like like a mind melt is a very specific thing in this universe, and the idea that there's like a scientific word for it and a sort of independent scientific understanding of what it is, I thought was a really uh, a really nice piece of dimensionalizing the Star Trek universe. Yeah, like if it's possible for some people, for for one race, it may be possible for others. Like the yeah. the, the science, the quote-unquote science doesn't just end there. Yeah, they're that's like, cool. Yeah, they're like, nobody's ever been able to make this work, and, and they're like, well, Vantica was a genius, and maybe he figured something out. But, you know, in a scene where we are given the depiction of smart science people doing smart science, this episode suffers from that plague of smart people written to be dumb because everyone who was on the ship should be suspected of harboring Vantica's thoughts. Right. And, and they never, they never postulate that. Like they're, they're like, where could he be? Who could he be? (laughs) Whose brain could he be stowing away on when there were like two people on that ship? Like, it's not like they would have had to do a hard target search of every person on the station. Like, it could only be three people. But they, yeah, they they focus on it being Kajada that, uh, that right. is, is the suspect. So she's, she's sort of taken off the beat, and Odo is, like, even, like... I thought this was some fun tradecraft. Odo's like, don't tell her that she's being taken out of the operation. Like, if she finds out, she can come to me and I'll tell her. (laughs) And, uh, and so she, she kind of like takes it upon herself to just keep investigating this thing. And she is in Quark's bar, like creeping around in the shadows while Quark is finalizing the deal with the mercenaries he's hired. And, uh, she gets pushed or, uh, perhaps falls off of the third floor balcony. Now, when you're installing railings at a workplace, (laughs) you want to make sure to prescribe to OSHA regulations (laughs) on height and length. I like to make sure my railings are at least four feet tall and an additional foot for every 10 feet off the ground. Building codes require (laughs) that railings are set at a certain height and also have blockages below them so that you can't slip out from underneath them. This is not a good look for Cork, Ben. 
uh, Cork up until now has been depicted as sort of, uh, you know, better than your typical Ferengi in a number of ways, but also, uh, also just as subject to like the greed element of Ferengi that we've come to know. Mm-hmm. But this is like some dark shit. Like this is like trafficking in nuclear material. This is something that I that I didn't think that he would be into, but I guess it just goes to show that he's as out for the buck as as any other Ferengi. One of the interesting things about his character that they really I don't I don't I, I will be interested to see if this ever gets dialed in as such cuz like on the one hand, he's kind of like a moral character that can be counted on to do the right thing when the chips are, are down in, like, episodes where he's on the same side as everybody. Right. But then he's like, oh, yeah, like, a guy wants me to hire some killers? Cool. Into it. Yeah, like, where's, why is the Cork money? in jail at the end of this episode? Like, he should be in prison. <laughs> there are rules yeah. against trafficking in hazardous material, right? Is this a post-hazardous material punishment environment here? You know, like the provisional government is passing a lot of laws, but they just haven't gotten to that part of the code section. Sure. (laughs) Kajada is like stuck in six bay for the rest of this episode. She's in in like a super bio bed in really bad shape. And um, Quark and uh, and the mercenaries uh, head down to uh, steal a runabout which they're expecting to meet Vantica at. And uh, Quark gets the door open, and there is Bashir. Surprise, surprise, he's Vantica. I've been expecting you. We know he's Vantica because Bashir is lit from below. And you and I both know this, Ben, but like, <laughs> whenever you light an actor from below, you're, you're, you're implementing a technique for bad guys. Like, yeah. low light is is especially unflattering it is it also makes people look evil yep it's the whole uh flashlight under the chin telling a campfire story situation and and uh Siddig bounces from low light to low light throughout this ship like he finds the light <laughs> that that illuminates him in this way yeah, it's it's really remarkable in a world where there are lots of lit up panels that people <laughs> have to sit at that uh they they don't get lit from below more often. <laughs> right. Yeah. So Dax wanders down to Six Bay to uh, keep keep chatting science with her buddy Julian and discovers his com badge has been left there. Uh, a lot of these the planks of this caper are starting to converge. Odo catches. Uh, Lieutenant Toast. Lieutenant George Primen, Starfleet Security. Down somewhere doing <laughs> doing tricorder, and uh, Lieutenant Toast is like, "Hey, man, I actually did learn something from you. I've been going through like secondary non-secure systems, and I found this Giga like latched on to the something something system." Another subspace crossover shunk, just like the one Vantica used when he tapped into the computer. It's like a it's like a dongle that could have knocked out the station's primary functions for an hour, which would have been plenty of time for Vantica to escape with the Duridium freighter that's coming through the wormhole. 
Odo is like, check out the big brains on Lieutenant Toast. Like, it's totally <laughs> next level thinking because Odo is messing around in parts of the station that he feels like could be threatened and if they were damaged could like do some real shit. But Toast is down there like looking at like the sewer system, like like really secondary and tertiary systems that most people wouldn't consider to be like like targetable. Yeah. These mercenaries like break onto this freighter and it's kind of an interesting like it's it's a fully realized bridge set that that we get yeah. to see here. Like it is really cool to see a civilian ship that is in the Federation, you know? It's got the same like L cars uh computer systems, but it's you know, it's a lot more cramped, it's a lot darker, the lighting is less even. Yeah, it looks like a different model of car from the same car maker mm-hmm. in a weird way. And not yeah. like the difference between a a Cadillac and a Peugeot. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's cool. We get some, you know, lethargic Star Trek phaser combat here, like like they're just kind of walking around bullseyeing the crew of this ship. Like one guy like literally just walks out from behind a corner and is like, What's going on in here, guys? Oh <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> if uh, if I didn't have a better Shimoda, that guy would be my Shimoda. Right. This idea that Vantica hid a mental ejection seat under his own fingernail and then, you know, scraped it onto Bashir's neck to to hop into his brains is sort of turned the make me live line into a hope instead of a demand. Like it totally changes the context of that initial scene for me in a, yeah. in kind of a great way. It's like a, do you think it was like the voice command for the, for the little brain pattern generator to work? Oh, that's interesting. I didn't think of it like that. I just, I, it seemed to me as sort of a, as sort of a hope. Yeah. I, you know, I think that the script of this episode is actually pretty cool. Like, there's there's some problems with it. Like, un, uh, I wouldn't argue that, but I would say that, like, mostly this falls apart in execution rather than in premise. Oh, yeah. Especially as we, as we crash toward the conclusion. So, all of the disabilities that Bashir as Vantica thought he had visited upon the uh the station have not worked one of them being the uh the tractor beam so the station's got the ship in a tractor beam and bashir's vantica is like engage engines full impulse we're not going anywhere with a tractor beam on us do it keep the pedal on the floor so we aren't he's more like keep the pedal on (laughs) the floor (laughs) right (laughs) this shit is so insane the way he speaks yeah it's not great and so the idea is he's using his body as a hostage that he doesn't think cisco is going to put in danger he's like look man you don't want me to hurt bashir and you could easily destroy the ship if we decide to go to warp right now. So maybe you should release the tractor beam, let us go, and I'll drop off this body uh, down the road somewhere. 
What I really wanted out of this scene, Ben, was one of the classic hold a phaser up to my own head scenes. Yeah. That, to me, would have been far crazier. Give me some of that. Yeah, I, I think that the, there's like a little bit of a mechanical problem, which is that, you know, they've got this ship and this valuable thing, and they don't want to... They don't. They also don't want to lose the valuable thing. And if the be, ship is exploded with the Dridium in it, it, it's really bad for the galaxy too. Like yeah, that's part a, of it too. I guess that's a bigger threat than than Bashir blowing his brains out. It's a humanitarian crisis, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, but like it does, it does sort of limp across the finish line. Yeah. Uh, as an episode, and and it's it like the the tension could have been higher and more and more interesting if if uh if it had just you know been kind of restructured a bit yeah the the solution ends up being like in the minute that the station is given to release them from the tractor beam uh dax comes up with a way to shoot a beam through the tractor beam that can like sort of short circuit the spell that bashir's under so they shoot the beam and the spell is lifted on Bashir long enough for them to beam Bashir back to the station. So Bashir's like, hey guys, it's me again. It's definitely not Vantica. <laughs> Except it is Vantica. And so Cisco just fucking phasers him. <laughs> phasers him to the ground. And this is a scene where I was expecting like a, a re- like the, the camera to shoot all of the women at ops, like doing one of those slow... Claps <laughs> that gets louder and louder. Because <laughs> the women have got to love this, right? Yeah. Thank fuck that guy. Ugh. So Bashir Vantica is disabled long enough to bring him to Six Bay, where they beam out the bad shit from his brains and they put that into the little ashtray that uh, that can contain all of Vantica's thoughts an ashtray that Kai, Tai Kajada then just phasers unceremoniously <laughs> like a minute later it's great yeah it, this is another thing where it's like I, I think that like you need to wait till you're not in their jurisdiction to do the <laughs> the like corporal punishment <laughs> They give Vantica the Moriarty treatment, except they take it one step further by actually blowing up the holodeck simulation. <laughs> it's pretty rugged. Yeah. Well, Ben, uh, did you like this episode? This is the kind of episode that shows so much potential. Yeah. And I think that you get to see a lot of potential in a lot of the characters in this show, in this episode. It's like, it's one of those early season episodes where you're starting to like see the writers figure some things out, figure some things like some kinds of fun adventures to put these characters through, but they definitely do not have it like totally figured out yet. And, uh, that's pretty interesting. So I, I would say that from a, from a standpoint of like getting to see it kind of come together as a show, this, this seems to be, uh, this is, this is a fun one for me. But, uh, you know, in a vacuum, I think it's kind of a failed episode. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I would agree with the second part. It's a mystery episode with no mystery. Like, that they didn't trust the viewer enough to withhold information at that 10-minute mark 
long enough to let the mystery, you know, bed itself. Yeah. Totally took all of the fun out of it for me. Like, that reveal on the runabout could have been amazing, but it was so obvious from the start. Like, trust me, trust me to be in suspense. And it also, I I, it felt very lowest common denominator to me as a mystery. I mean, the other way you could go with it is just make Bashir be playing both things, but like have that, have that make us trust him less as a character. Like when, like when we were talking earlier about what a smarmy asswipe he is at the beginning of the episode, like I think there could be something intentional about that. Like what, what if we dig one of our characters a deep hole to climb out of right. in this, in this show? Like that would be kind of a fun, like writing challenge. And like, maybe that's what they're doing. I don't, I don't really know, but, uh, but you can do that within an episode too. Like make a character that you like be scary and 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 untrustworthy, and then dig yourself out of that hole. When Bashir as Vantica shoves Kajada over the railing, she should have died. Yeah, I think if you make Bashir kill someone while under the spell, the possibilities for his character get really interesting to me. Because instead of the slide whistle ending of, oh, my head, like, I've got this great big <laughs> headache after taking this murderer out of me, like, you take the fun out of it and instead saddle him with, like, he goes from someone who in the very first scene is that cocksure doctor who saves lives without even trying. He's just a natural healer. You suddenly give him some darkness. That's some real colorful character work there that I would really appreciate. It would help me appreciate uh, Bashir is a character even more a lot more than I do right now which is to say I don't like give him some darkness darkness that isn't like creepo darkness that what we've gotten before and Vantic is supposed to be this terrifying killer like yeah kill some like, people show me that you know what like Bashir could kill people and we would forgive him if he were under under the spell like and I think they should have gone that far kill Quark while you're at it you know what? Like, you make Bashir kill uh, Tai Kajada, and then you stick the Vantica ashtray in Bashir's office forever, like, where he's got to stare at it. Yeah. Like, that's some heavy shit going forward. Like, the reminder. Have him kill Lieutenant Toast, too. Lieutenant George Priman, Starfleet Security. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, we don't Let's need do to. some killing. It is time to do some killing on this show, Ben. You're exactly right. <laughs> well, uh, the other thing it's time for, Adam, is our beloved Priority One segment. Shall we see what we've got in the queue? Show me what's in the box, Ben. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, our first priority one message is of a commercial nature. It goes like this. <laughs> Ever wondered how the Garakian midwife toad got its name? How a 3,000 ton screech rhino moves? How the eel bird of Regulus 5 courts its mates? In the webcomic Space Otters, Naturalist Octavio Briswold and Leonard Fitzmyrtle travel through the pre-Federation galaxy discovering strange new animals and occasionally eating them. 
With beautiful Autobahn-style illustrations and rakish prose, Space Otters brings the animals of Star Trek to life. Visit spaceotters.com to join the adventure. You know, rakish prose is my favorite kind, Ben. I'm excited to check this out. I do like a nice rakish prose. Are the space otters making space dams? (laughs) Tell me more about that. Uh, I'm looking at this website. It's really cool. It's like it's like field notes with uh, with paintings of the of the creatures. Uh, I like that in style. It's very it's a very like original and cool idea. Very cool. Really beautiful paintings too. Yeah, go to spaceotters.com to join the adventure. Gotta scroll through this and figure out if that uh, if that weird creature that Alexander. Saved from the bio lab is in here. I wonder if the Lulu aliens in it. <laughs> ben, our second priority one message is from Melissa. It is for Dennis. It goes like this: Happy birthday! Can you believe only ten years ago, we were just two drunk Shimodos who met at Oktoberfest? <laughs> Everyone knows that busting out your TNG episode guide isn't a great way to win over a girl. But what my theory presupposes is. Maybe it was. <laughs> Thank you for being a great dad to baby Jay. The girl? I love you as much as Riker loves consent. Hey, that's great. Happy birthday, Dennis. Oh, man. Melissa loves you so much. Seriously. Well, if you would love to send a Priority One message, couldn't be easier. You can just go over to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Uh, if the window is open for those purchases, uh, they... I can't make it any easier than that. Fill out a quick form, slap down a $100 bill for a personal message and a $200 bill for a commercial message, and uh, <laughs> we'll read either of those live on tape on one of our great, greatest gen shows. And they really help us keep the production going on our podcasts. They sure do. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! Sure did, Ben. Uh, It's Cisco for shooting Bashir at Ops. (laughs) Like, no one could have taken... Well, actually, there is someone who could have taken more joy than Cisco. It would have been if Dax did it. Why didn't (laughs) Dax shoot him? That would have been a great idea. Yeah, Dax or like both of them. Yeah, they could have crossed the streams on... uh, on Bashir's face, like like blowing up Remick's head in, in conspiracy. <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> that would have been great. Bashir lasts eight episodes. They're like scrubbing out the transporter in a house for like weeks after that. Hey, welcome back, O'Brien. We got a mess for you to clean up. <laughs> Remember cleaning up transporter pads? Well, it's back on the menu, boy. Gross. <laughs> what about you, Ben? My Shimoda is Ty, the police lady. Uh, when she goes down to confront Odo about the fact that she's been locked out of the uh, security system or whatever, uh, she kind of storms off in a huff, and um, she like she tries to like storm out the door. And you can see that the actress had no idea where to go once she got through the doors. Oh, in that in that shot. If you go to uh, twenty six minutes and about 10 seconds in the episode you can see her kind of like 
like storm out and then like turn around in the hallway. <laughs> oh man, you're yeah, she totally pirouettes in the hallway. Looking a little unsure of what to do <laughs> next. And uh it just really made me laugh that uh that they you know, like you could go straight, you could take a hard left, take a hard right. Any one of them would have looked good. They didn't decide. <laughs> so for that she gets my drunk Shimoda. Good spot. That's one of those deep spot Shimodos. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings they send in uh, crochet work it's so cool and uh i want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters i want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves and you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use squarespace it'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code scarves to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. 
Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Uh, the Netflix capsule for the next episode, Ben, is Commander Sisko in dress uniform prepares to receive the first formal alien delegation from the Gamma Quadrant. <laughs> like somebody watched what? the first scene, yeah, of the episode. How insane <laughs> is that? The uh, the description on Amazon is. Quark's attempt at deception toward a newly encountered alien race places the space station's senior officers in a labyrinth of danger. Way to try with that one. <laughs> Way to watch the entire episode. Yeah. That's great. That's really funny. Um. <laughs> ben, this is, uh, this is Move Along Home. This is one of the episodes that people told us on the internet was historically bad. Yeah, it's not just cited as the worst episode of Deep Space Nine. It is often in the, like, worst episodes of Trek ever list. That's very attractive to me for some reason. (laughs) Really curious to see what that looks like. You want to see if we have to drink during? Let's see if we have to drink during. A lot of people have suggested modifications to our randomness, uh... Our our, our uh, random drunkenness mechanic, and uh, what I'm going to say is, uh, I think we're I think we've pretty much settled on a mechanic. But thank you. <laughs> and our random number for this episode is thirteen, Adam. So we will not be getting shit house drunk, unfortunately. That's the bullet. Move along home. Okay. I mean, unless we want to. <laughs> Let's uh, leave our viewers in suspense. We shall see. Well, that'll be next episode. And uh, in the meantime, we'd love to chat with you online. There's a great Facebook group uh, for Greatest Gen. There's a Reddit sub for Greatest Gen. There's also a great Maximum Fun subreddit. And we use the hashtag GreatestGen on Twitter, where Adam is at Cut for Time, and I am at Benjamin R A H R. And uh, you know, it's not just a fun place to chat with uh, folks from folks from the community. Like every one of those social media things, like people are making amazing drawings and artwork, and uh, like posing headcanon questions and. Uh, it's just it's it's a real it's a real heap of fun. If you're into this show, you're definitely going to be into these communities. Great so, place uh, to uh, meet someone for uh, for a potentially long term relationship. Yeah, it's a dating service first and foremost. Uh, <laughs> if you enjoy this program and uh, and what we're doing here, uh, we rely very heavily on. The support of our listeners uh, people go to maximumfund.org slash donate and contribute financially to the production of this show it wouldn't exist without that and uh, we really appreciate everyone who does it we should thank Dark Materia for our theme music and Adam Ragusea for a lot of the other music here on the show and also a lot of the theme music now and with that we'll be back at you next time with another 
great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine that uh, looks a little bit like Ben Stiller in the movie Dodgeball. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.